Welcome to Stageworthy. I'm Phil Rickaby, the host of this podcast. This is episode 317. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it. There are a few ways that you can do that. First, you can rate the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. If you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to philrickaby.com slash subscribe. If you want to leave a tip for the show, you can drop some change in the virtual tip jar. You will find a link for that in the show notes. I also have a Patreon in support of the show. Now, Stageworthy is a one-person operation, and that one person is me. So not only do I arrange the guests, I edit the show, I promote it, and I even created the music. I also shoulder all of the financial responsibilities that keep the show going. So your support means the world. For a subscription of $5, I will take you behind the scenes on the podcast. I'll do regular Q&A sessions, and I'll even present regular, exclusive, interactive conversations just for subscribers. You can find the Patreon at patreon.com slash stageworthypod. But one of the most important things you can do, even more than rating it or reviewing it or even supporting it financially, is to share it on social media. Even a simple retweet helps. You can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 317 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And as I mentioned, my website is PhilRickaby.com. This week, my guest is artistic director of the Canadian stage, Brendan Healy. Brendan is an actor, a director, and an educator. In addition to leadership at the Canadian stage, Brendan is a former artistic director at Bloody and Bad Times and has been a contributor to the Canadian Theatre Review. During the pandemic, Brendan at Canadian Stage explored new ways of presenting theatrical works, bringing new ways of creating theatre and new methods of presenting it into the digital sphere. Here's our conversation. Are you working uh, uh, from home or are you in the, the Canadian Stage offices? or? Yeah, I'm actually in rehearsals, so I'm at Canadian Stage right now. Ah, yeah. what's, what's that like these days? Being back back in rehearsal, yeah, uh, amazing. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's a very very nice feeling. Uh, I had been in rehearsals in in sort of over over the holidays. Mm. Um, we're getting ready to do a show, and then we had to stop rehearsals with Omicron, and and that was devastating. Uh, but this time, I feel like I'm directing a show that will actually make it to the stage. <laughs> awesome. That is a good feeling. I mean, I feel like at this point, every time there's like uh, the that 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 statement of oh we can perform again everybody goes great but they kind of hold their breath yeah. <laughs> yeah um what's what has the i mean aside from being devastating and difficult what what's the the two years of the pandemic been like for you and for canadian stage um it's been you know it's been uh i think a, a time of transformation um in a bunch of ways, like the, the way that I've, I've been describing the pandemic, it's been like, you know, when you're driving a car and then you hit the brakes and everything that was in the back seat comes sort of flying into the front. Um, <laughs> and, and that's sort of what I felt we've gone through as a society. Like mm. we've kind of like there, there was like this kind of screeching halt and then all this stuff that we'd sort of been carrying around with us, but hadn't necessarily been looking at suddenly became really visible. Uh, uh, and we had time and space to really look at that stuff and 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 maybe act on it. Um, so so in that way, I think I think the past two years has actually been really positive. You know, we've been able to really uh, like ask big questions about mm-hmm. about you know what our role is as 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 an arts institution and 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 lean into some I think some really important areas um, that that we just wouldn't have had a chance to to kind of focus on uh, had we not had that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, those big questions are things that, that, 
you know, they they would come up all the time. Things like the the question of uh, of of are we putting enough people of color on the stages? Are we engaging enough people behind the scenes of color? And 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 all kinds of other questions are the kinds of things that that because of the treadmill of production, um, were difficult things to contend with. And then when things stop, um, suddenly. Though there was there was not that if for want of a better word excuse not to deal with those things and now we have to deal with them and I think that's that's been really positive I think for the theater industry as a whole. Uh, absolutely, and and certainly there was uh, a lot of events in the world that also brought brought you know those particular questions to the forefront. Absolutely, um, that that you know sort of necessitated uh, some deep examination. Um, also on top of it, you know, there's, 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 you know, we, we often define ourselves by what we do. Um, and I think as people, we, we do that. And also as, as institutions. Um, but then when suddenly we weren't able to really do what we typically did, uh, we were left with the thought of like, well, how do I define myself in, in by just being, um, and that's kind of a bit of an existential question. And so I think, I think artists and organizations kind of had to deal with like, okay, well, if I'm not always, if I'm not defined by producing, 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 then, then what am I? Mm. Um, and I think at Canadian stage, we, you know, really had a chance to kind of lean into our, our, our institutional values. So like, what do we believe in? And then try to kind of figure out a way to kind of navigate the, ne- the past two years with our values uh, really guiding us as opposed to all the other, you know, prerogatives that come into play when you're, when you're busy doing things, you know, mm-hmm. doing shows. What, what, I mean, what were those, those big questions then? And where did you come out uh, on, on those uh, when you finally uh, put your values together? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the, 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 there's, there's a lot that I could say about that. I'd say like one of the big things was, you know, who, 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 who do we exist for? Uh, and certainly we, you know, we, we, we have so many stakeholders and, you know, we have a big family at Canadian stage and, and, and audiences, and I mean, there's just so much there. But but fundamentally, we serve artists. We create a platform for artists to just to, to create to speak from. Um, and so, you know, the big question was like, well, how do we continue to do that uh, if if we can't have audiences in the space? Um, and so, a lot of stuff came out of that question. You know, we 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 had a huge micro grant program where we you know, funded artists to go back to school to, to, we funded projects that enabled artists to really pivot their artistic practice. So to embrace digital technologies, to, to really re-examine their artistic practice. Um, and that was a huge initiative that we were able to support a lot of artists, but also we were able to, uh, as an organization, really delve into all kinds of new opportunities for how artists can express themselves and perform. Uh, you know, we embraced all kinds of new technologies. We did a whole residency in virtual reality, uh, which was, you know, kind of mind blowing. Um, so out of the question of like, how can we best serve artists, like all kinds of new uh, creative avenues opened up for us as, a, as an institution that will, will, will carry forward into the future. In terms of aside from the virtual reality stuff, which is always fascinating and how that how that has developed over the years i can remember many years ago in the i think it was the late 90s uh uh going to the exhibition and there was a really terrible uh demonstration that i had to pay for and i think i paid like ten dollars to see a bunch of lines surrounding me and it's you know the the vr has has come such a long way um so that's exploring that in a theatrical uh experience must have been uh, uh, incredible, but also, uh, did you guys do much with like zoom and other digital productions as well? Yeah, we had, we had, we did a lot of stuff, uh, over, over zoom, not just zoom, uh, different at- online platforms. Um, you know, all of which were really, you know, kind of interesting and, and, you know, what, what, what VR offers, you know, a- apart from the immersive experiences is, is just kind of a live connection. Um, in a digital space, which Zoom can also provide. Um, so all that was really interesting. Like, you know, what is what is liveness uh, when you're not in a room together? Can you re- can you create the feeling of liveness? Can you create 
intimacy, you know, what is exchange uh, between two and two bodies that are not sharing a space. Um, it's all super, like super interesting uh, and, and really fruitful and filled with failure, like, like a lot of failure, um, which is, I mean, it's a part of, part of the artist's way is to fail. Um, uh, but I, you know, I, 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 I'm sort of excited to see, you know, five years from now, what, what has carried forward from this time. Um, I think, I think artists have been working in such different ways and we can't really predict, you know, what will stick. Um, but it's, it's inevitable that, that we'll, we'll, we'll look back and go like, wow, <laughs> like we, we learned a lot, uh, or wow, like that really did have an impact on our art form. Uh, I don't know if we can totally see what that is specifically just yet. I don't think we'll know. I mean, obviously we won't know cause we can make all kinds of predictions that will not come true. Yeah, um, but <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I find it fascinating. And I've said this before, how many people, we're delving into technologies that two and a half years ago, they would have said, Oh, I could never do that. I'm not technical enough. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and throughout, through all of this, they've explored other ways and, and made some really interesting uh, and, you know, everybody's got to try and fail before they, they, they find out what's work, what works, as you said. Um, I'm sort of interested to see if we're able to do and to continue uh, utilizing uh, digital delivery in the future as 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 a way of sort of uh, expanding the audience, serving uh, underserved and uh, and and uh, accessibility issues, um, just to see if that's something that we can carry forward. Even though logistically, it sometimes feels like it's difficult. I, I mean, absolutely, digital. I mean, the digital disruption. Uh, creates all kinds of accessibility opportunities, you know, that's for sure, for sure. The, the, uh, among the tricky parts of, of digitization, particularly around distribution is how to monetize it. Uh, and, and I mean, every, every sector is facing that problem uh, or that question. Uh, and the theater is, is certainly no different. You know, it's what is, what is a financial model, uh, that works for online platforms yeah. when it comes to performance. And that's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other question. Um, yeah. Cause those are, those are, I mean, obviously we, we need to be able to, to monetize. I think uh, there was early in the, in the pandemic, I think, you know, it, it felt necessary at the time, but it did set somewhat of a, of an unfortunate precedent is ever lots of people giving away their digital production. Um, which felt at the beginning really necessary, but then made it a little harder later on to ask people to pay for those things because this used to be free and now you're asking me to pay for it. Um, and it's one of those, you know, sort of carries forward and, you know, trying to figure out like what is a fair accessible price or a fair price for digital production and di- digital delivery while also being able to welcome the audience into this space. It's, it's I think we're going to have to see how that pans out over time. Yeah, I mean, d- d- digital technology presents all kinds of problems to capitalism, and 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 you know, I think we're I think we're still trying to figure that one out as a society. You know, what is the relationship between these these you know these things? Um, the other thing I was thinking, you know, Phil, as you were saying, is you know, um, you sort of mentioned that a lot of artists sort of felt that they could not uh, sort of embrace digital technologies prior to the pandemic. I also feel that there were a lot of us, me included, who felt that like we will not embrace digital technologies. I think, I think uh, uh, for myself, feeling like you know, no, I'm, I'm a theater artist, uh, and this is, you know, this is the interaction that I can work with, which is live in person in a room, um, and that's what I do. Um, uh, and so the pandemic, I, I, I know I was forced to kind of really challenge. Uh, my assumptions around what what I did uh, and what I, you know, uh, sort of kind of maybe thought was a bit more superior uh, to other forms of connection. Um, it, was, it was interesting. Like I kind of had to really uh, reevaluate uh, sort of the fundamentals of what I, I believe I do as a theater artist. Uh, yeah, in really, I like in a healthy way. Yeah, I don't think you're the only one. I know, you know, there's people who are still even now resistant to d- digital delivery and 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 digital theater. And 
uh, there are some people that 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 just want to put that thing back in the box. Like we 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 used it, we had to use it. Let's get rid of it as as quickly as possible. And I think because you know they'll say things like, "Well, if it's online, it's not theater. If it's filmed, it's not theater." And I think I've been thinking about this quite a bit because I feel like I, I'm often defending digital theater to people with people and 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 sort of sometimes evangelizing a little bit too much. But I feel like like it's it's so necessary that we consider theater to be what we make it to be rather than uh, tying ourselves to it being one thing. And it it will still be that one thing because online and, and filmed production and digital production is never going to be exactly that because that experience of being in the theater is unique and, and will always be its thing. That experience can never be fully recreated in a digital experience, but people can get a taste of it, which in some cases might encourage them to actually come to the actual theater. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or the quality of experience online is just different. It's just a different kind of uh, quality of togetherness. Mm -hmm. um, um, anyways, yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's, we could go on and on forever. Right? It's, it's a, <laughs> It's been an interesting couple of years, Phil. Yes, yes it has. Yes, it has. Um, I think um, one of the things that I, I, I'm curious about is, is you know, as the artistic director of, of Canadian Stage, um, can you tell me a little bit about what you, what was your impression of and what did you, what, when you, what would, what did you think of the Canadian Stage before you became the artistic director? Uh I mean, it it depends at, at what at what point in its history, because uh, Canadian Stage has had so many kind of kind of incarnations. I, my my first kind of real contact with Canadian Stage was right after I graduated from theater school. I was part of the first ever sort of RBC Emerging Artist Program. It was called Bashed back then, um, and and that, that's my, my my first introduction to Canadian Stage was that, and through that program, I ended up actually assistant directing hair. <laughs> they, uh, there was a production of hair that was done by Canadian stage many years ago. Mm. Uh, so that was like one version of Canadian stage. And so the, the impression that I had there was, you know, was like a kind of a, a, a not-for-profit company that was sort of operating a bit commercially mm. um, um, and, and sort of was really big and had big ambitious uh, ideas for kind of big commercial productions. Um, uh, and then, and then with Matthew, Matthew Jocelyn, uh, who's the artistic director right, right before me, um, really brought the company in a very different direction. Uh, I think, I think sort of embraced, uh, you know, like, like more, less commercially driven work, much more artistically, uh, innovative and, 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 uh, work and really kind of brought on this mandate that, uh, became very international uh, very multidisciplinary. There's some theater, but also dance and other forms. Um, so, so it's a very different, very different company. Um, what drew me to the company was sort of the the artistic vision that that Matthew kind of initiated was one that I, I was really excited by, uh, and and felt really like I really wanted to kind of pick up the mantle from that artistic vision and kind of move it forward in sort of my own way. Um, um, so I was, yeah. So it's a very long answer to your question, uh, which was basically, I was really inspired by the work that Canadian stage was doing and was really eager to kind of be a part of, part of that, that conversation. And what does, as the artistic director, how do you see yourself uh, 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 moving what came before forward? And, and how, how are you putting your own spin on it? And, and how are you, uh, 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 what do you see, where do you see it going as, in your tenure? Yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so interesting because I haven't, I haven't really experienced the company outside of COVID. Um, so, so much of, so much of my experience of the company has been sort of, you know, responding to, to the pandemic. Um, you know, what I can say is that, is that sort of the, 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 the impulse for me was like, how can the mandate at Canadian stage really feel like an authentic reflection of, of Toronto? Um, um, and how can it's kind of contemporary aspirations and, and sort of 
innovative inspirations, uh, just really represent the, the, the people and the ideas and the questions and the realities of, of everyday Torontonians. Um, so that, that was sort of, that, that for me is, is the project. Um, um, and, and there's all kinds of ways to kind of look at, look at that question. Uh, uh, um, but that was really, that, that's what, that's sort of what I was, that, that's what I'm interested in. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. The I mean, Canadians, I remember the first show that I saw at Canadian stage many years ago, it was, uh, an immersive, uh, production called Donut City. Oh, <laughs> I don't and know that show. <laughs> somehow I had, I don't know if I, because I, I talked to uh, one of the English teachers um, at, at my school, and uh, I don't know if they'd also heard of it, but we went on a, ca- a class trip to a show that we probably sh- shouldn't have gone to this immersive show about uh, 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 prostitution and street uh, hookers, both male and female, and and it's probably more graphic than a group of high school students were should have seen in the eighties. <laughs> um, but um, that was my first time in the Berkeley Street Theater, uh, uh, and it sort of like bent my brain as something that 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 made me, made me sort of think like, oh, this, like I thought theater was one thing, but this is this is this is like so different than anything I ever thought it was. Um, and it's interesting to think about all of the different configurations that, that have been used in, in both that theater and in the, 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 the Bluma Appel and the, and the other theaters that are, that have been used by Canadian stage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, Canadian stage is such a funny organization because it used to be two different companies. Uh, it used to be the Toronto free theater, which, which existed at the Berkeley and then center stage, which operated out of the out of the Bluma, and, mm. and those two organizations merged to become Canadian Stage, and those organizations could not have been more different. Mm. Uh, you know, Toronto Free Theater was you know this kind of radical experimental theater company. It was called the Free Theater because you know originally all their shows were free; <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't really maintain that. Uh, but that was sort of the idea was like theater should be free for anybody. Uh, uh, and was really, yeah, like the kind of show that you describe was the kind of standard of the Toronto Free Theater. Center Stage was kind of a, a, a big regional uh, mm. that, that played kind of, you know, Broadway, you know, after Broadway, the, show, the shows would get picked up by uh, Center Stage. Mm. Um, so when those two companies together, uh, merged together, like, it's kind of, it's, and I think that still is a part of the company's uh, energy is like, you know, like this tension between kind of really experimental theater that makes you rethink what theater is, uh, but then also kind of large scale, big idea theater, which, which requires, you know, uh, to attract like a big audience. Every mm. Night. Mm. Yeah. Now you, as a, as a, a, I believe you grew up in Montreal. Yes. Um, and so I know Montreal, I've, you know, I've spent a little bit of time in Montreal and I've always, loved uh just walking around montreal and being like oh there's that's essentially a neighborhood theater oh that's essentially a neighborhood theater and and seeing that sort of thing um what was your experience of theater like growing up in montreal yeah montreal has has a ton of theater and 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 you know for for a portion of the population it's a big a big part of their lives i i didn't grow up in a family where theater was 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 at all a part of our lives um um so I came into theater through um, kind of like a youth program. It's like, you know, it's like a sort of late eighties, early nineties. Uh, that was basically a kind of, kind of youth program to get kids off the streets kind of thing, you know? Uh, and uh, basically there, there was like a kind of youth theater festival that happened in the old port of Montreal in this huge abandoned hangar uh, uh, and, you know, it, young people kind of wrote and directed and acted in all the plays. I kind of remember a few adults kind of in the background making sure we didn't kill, kill ourselves. But it was all about kind of youth empowerment. Um, and so for some reason, my, you know, my mother had a kind of instinct to, to su- suggest that, hey, Brennan, maybe, maybe you'd be interested in doing this thing. Because um, I certainly had no real experience of theater. I hadn't seen a play. Um, but I said, sure, why not? Let's give this a shot. Uh, 
And, and that's sort of where I fell in love with theater. And it was only until after doing that for like maybe two or three summers uh, that I learned that there was actually like uh, people who did it for a living, that right? it was actually like a career. Uh, uh, and then I got to kind of see my first professional production uh, when I was, when I was, you know, two or three years after doing kind of this, this kind of theater. Um, uh, so yeah, I, that, that, but yes, all that to say is that Montreal does have a lot of theater. Yeah. yeah I wasn't necessarily a part of it. And uh, as growing up and, and I think that's the thing about society is not everyone goes to see theater. That's the thing. I mean, I mean, I've said it before and we've all know, we all know somebody who's like, you know, you say, oh, I work in the theater and they'll say something ridiculous. Like I saw a play once and I didn't like it or things like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, um, we know that people don't go to theater or that they've had some bad theater experiences, but, um, you started like, do you remember what that first production that you saw was? Uh, yeah. The first production I saw was, uh, so I grew up, I grew up speaking French and going to French high school. So it was a, it was a Moliere, uh, 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 les, 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 les précieuses ridicules. I don't know what that is in, in, in English. Uh, uh, but yeah, it was it was a big Moliere play, you know, kind of French, you know. It had it. It was a bit punk rock. It, it was directed by uh, a director named Lorraine Pental, who still right now runs the uh, Théâtre du Nouveau Monde, which is a very you know large theater in, in Montreal. Uh, and she's she's sort of known for kind of sort of radical feminist kind of retelling of the classics. So I, I kind of remember there was a bit of a feminist edge to it. Hmm. Uh, but to me, it was so not what I thought theater was because I'd kind of been doing these, these kind of shows about growing up, you know, what it was like to be a teenager. Uh, so it was just like a very, I was like, what, what is this? This is theater. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I was also completely uh, fascinated by it. And, and even though I didn't totally kind of get what was happening on stage, I, I, I was totally enthralled by the experience of it. There's this fast. The, the, I think it's it's interesting that you had that that sort of experience of like, oh, th- this is theater too. Because I know I think for a lot of people, their first exposure to theater, unless they go to some pantos at Christmas, um, is probably uh, when they do when they tackle Shakespeare in high school, right? And yeah, yeah, and yeah. then they think that's what theater is. Um, and then they we sort of if they see something else and they, they could realize that, Oh, theater is more than just Shakespeare and Broadway musicals, which they may also know, but yes. it's, it's interesting to, to see the different ways that people come to theater. Totally. I mean, I think for me, kind of my, I fell in love with theater initially through, through this, this youth, this youth festival that I was talking about, uh, because for me it was the first place where I really felt seen um, as a person. I think uh, growing up, I, I felt, just kind of like probably a lot of younger people just really out of place. I felt invisible. You know, I was also like a gay, a gay kid and kind of, kind of working class Montreal. Like I just was kind of getting beaten up, you know? <laughs> uh, 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 but suddenly in, it, it, at, at this, at the, at this theater, I felt that I mattered. I felt people saw me. I felt, I felt uh, special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also a place of like where I like a lot of firsts. It's where like I kind of had my first cigarette. Like I ended up losing my virginity one summer at that festival. I, I, you know, met my first gay, like real gay person. <laughs> um, so it was a lot of like kind of self-discovery. And so that's sort of my, my point of entry into the theater was that, hmm. but, but then it changed and it kind of changed a little bit with that Moliere play. And then subsequent shows um, was for me was a, a a kind of feeling of mystery, like, 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 what is this? What is this theater? What am I seeing? Uh, who are these people on stage? And, and, and feeling like it was a bit beyond me. Um, but the, the, the journey to try to understand was like, was like a really exciting journey for mm-hmm. me. Uh, I felt, felt that way about Shakespeare, uh, kind of like, what the hell are these people talking about? Like, what is happening? <laughs> um, but like a good production, not a bad, like a good production would make me want to kind of stretch myself uh, to get it. Uh, and in that process of trying to get it, that's where I, I started to learn things. Hmm. Um, and that eventually became what I love about the theater, much less like the kind of like, 
being seen and 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 that sort of thing it became much more about about the 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 conversation that good theater kind of d- demands of me and mm. and and yeah mm. yeah now you you initially like you 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 went into theater as a, as an actor but how long after that did you turn to directing you know, I I it, it, I guess it wasn't that long. I mean, I, I I started off as an actor and and then went to university. I went to Concordia University in Montreal and their theater performance program and 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 kind of did that. And you know, in in university, teachers were like, you know, Brendan, you should direct. You should really direct. Uh, and I always interpreted that as like you kind of suck as an actor, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I was a bit resistant. I was like, ah, I'm I'm, a, I'm an actor. Uh, uh, but I did take a directing class for kind of extra, you know, for credit or whatever, and, and, and quite, quite loved it. Um, and then kind of graduated from school and, and tried to make it as a professional actor. I you know, got an agent, did a bit of television, and I was just like so miserable. Um, um, the life of an actor just did not appeal to me at all. Uh, uh, and um, I, I ended up getting cast in this show that Peter Hinton was directing uh, called Girls, Girls, Girls. And that was my first kind of uh, experience with a director where I, I just was so amazed by what he was doing and, and, and his, his, his role uh, in, in, the, in the process. And I, I thought, okay, I think I want to be like Peter Hinton. Um, and so after that experience, I kind of, made a decision that I'm going to try to be like Peter Hinton and, and, and just started to, to direct and, and kind of gave up acting. Hmm. Now, now being in leadership in, in a theater and being an artistic director is a little bit different than being a director. Um, did you, at the time that you were making that decision, were you thinking about, about going into artistic direction or were you just thinking about being a director? Yeah, not, I wasn't thinking about artistic direction at all at that point. It was really just like, I want to I, I want to direct. I want, you know, what among the things I loved about directing is that I could just kind of do it. Like I didn't have to, I didn't have to wait for someone to invite me. Um, so that really excited me. So I just, I just started making like a ton of shows. I would just like kind of do a lot, a lot, a lot of shows and was only focused on that. It wasn't until later that artistic direction kind of emerged as a, as an interest. Now, did you have, uh, did that sort of like, what was the journey to be, to becoming an artistic director? Was there a mentor? Was there, did somebody say you should do this? Like, how did you get from being a director to artistic director? Um, I guess in a way it was a bit of a, a bit of a fluke. Um, I, I applied for a job and I got the job, you know, uh, and, and I got the job probably cause I was like kind of just the right person at the right time. Um, uh, I, and I kind of, I kind of applied to the job, uh, like kind of not sure that, that I wanted to be an artistic director, but kind of like, I, I might want to be an artistic director. So, uh, I'm going to apply for this job and I'm just going to kind of be sort of radically honest in, in, in my process with the interviews and just tell them exactly what I think I would do with the theater. Uh, uh. And then I got the job and then through the process of doing it, I really discovered how much I loved it. But I, I didn't necessarily know uh, when I applied for the job that like, this is what I totally wanted. I wasn't sure. Hmm. And, but it, it, it turned out to be what you wanted. It absolutely. No, it was, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's exactly what I wanted. And, and I think what I learned through that process was, uh, um, that really my great passion is, is community building. Um, and, and that the theater is for me, the best tool that I have as, as who I am to, to use, to, to create community. Um, uh, but I, I think I, 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 going into the job, I thought theater was my great passion and that artistic direction could kind of like help me kind of do, do more theater. Uh, and then I quickly realized like, Oh no, actually what this job provides me is the opportunity to create community and and that's what i really love um so yeah can you talk a little bit more about how how you see it as creating community i'd love to hear about the kind of uh community that you see uh, being created especially around canadian stage well i think i think there's there's many communities you know i think uh kind of 
at its most basic, like every night a group of people come to see a show and a kind of community is created that night around, around a story, around an experience. Um, so there's that. I think uh, 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 there's the community of artists who, uh, are, who make up the heart and soul of a theater company. And certainly Canadian Stage has a group of artists who, who kind of make, the, uh, make up that community. There's the communities of people who live close by. So we're, you know, we're in the St. Lawrence neighborhood at Canadian Stage, and we are very actively involved in, in working with, with uh, local community groups to kind of be a part of this neighborhood and to be in like an active contributor to the lives of, of the people who live nearby. Uh, so there's like all kinds of communities that, that, that sit around a theater and that's really exciting and it changes. Uh, you know, my first artistic direction role was at Buddies and Bad Times. And certainly that, you know, that, that's very much rooted in, in, you know, the LGBTQ2S uh, uh, communities. Um, and so that, that was like a whole, a whole world of communities that, that I got to be a part of. Um, so, I mean, for me, theater is, is at its core is, is, is communing. Uh, and when you commune, community happens. Yeah. I'm curious about, uh, the cultivation of the leadership of the future, uh, as far as as theater in Canada goes, I wonder. I've I've, I've noticed that that organizations like Soul Pepper have created like like sort of like what 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 feel like uh, 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 internships for the future leadership to become an associate artistic director and to learn the ropes that way for 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 people. Um, and I I think that's important because for a lot of years uh, some theaters have imported their artistic leadership. Uh, from outside of the country, whereas um, we have plenty of people here who just need to know how to do it. Um, as far as as the cultivation of the leaders of the future is, is there or do you foresee a program uh, at Canadian Stage that will will help to do that? Yeah, we, we I mean we have a lot of programs that that do well, a lot. Of, we do have programs that do that. We we you know there is an associate artistic director role at the company, um, and and. That is in in part to to train the leaders of 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 theaters of tomorrow. That's the big reason why we have that role. That role also brings in all kinds of important expertise to the organization. Uh, we do all kinds of internships through the Metcalf Foundation. We have our own internship programs where where we really feel it's critical that we're constantly training uh, leaders of you know administrative leaders, artistic leaders production leaders. Um, it's a big, big part of what we do. It's so important. It's so important because if, if, if we're not teaching people on the job, that's the only way, I mean, you could take a course, but like really getting your hands in there is the only thing that's going to get you that, that work later on. And it's so important that we build that foundation in Canada um, rather than hoping we can find it elsewhere. So I think that's amazing that, that that's an essential part of which, what Canadian stage is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. What is your, do you have a, a favorite thing, whether it's a production or aspect of Canadian stage that, that is just like the thing that you, you just, when you think about it, gives you all the, the warm fuzzies and it's the thing that you, that, that makes you smile. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's a ton of stuff. Um, I think for me, the thing that I, I, that, that excites me the most is, is the, the sheer, like the sheer variety of stuff that the company does. And, and, you know, we do dance, we do theater, we have like small spaces, we have large spaces, we do a big outdoor Shakespeare. I mean, it's, 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 it, we really cover such a gamut of work um, and styles and, and, um, and so for me, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the way that those things connect that I find them, to be the most interesting, um, um, like the relationship between our spaces, between the art forms, um, you know, uh, between the audiences that we we have every year, it's really really exciting, um, and that's often what excites me is 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 when things kind of come together or kind of collide. Um, um, you know, some of my favorite experiences at Buddies, for instance. You know, I, I remember this this one instance where. You know, we were we had a company. Nightwood was doing 
the Penelope, the, the Penelope ad by Margaret Atwood. Um, and like that show was ending. And then our club night, you know, we, we run a club at Buddies and, and you know, a bunch of drag queens kind of like coming up a staircase to kind of perform while this audience of Margaret Atwood play, play goers kind of was exiting the theater and, and watching those two groups meet uh, was really, really exciting for me. Um, um, so yeah, I think at Canadian stage, it's, it's, it's the collision of things that I find so dynamic and exciting. I remember years ago, the production, I think it, it was a co-pro between Canadian stage and another theater of the Rocky horror show. Uh-huh. And I remember that collision. I remember being in the audience, uh, watching and, and really being fascinated by the way that the, the subscriber base and the the people who are maybe regular theater goers uh, coming face to face and in many ways ear to ear with like the people who for whom uh, that show, the Rocky Horror Show, is an interactive experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was fascinating to watch an adjustment take place in an audience. Mm-hmm. And, and those you're right. Those kinds of collisions and 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 intertanglements are quite fascinating to watch. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, another way of thinking about a theater, you know, as apart from being communities is like an ecology uh, and it's like an ecosystem and there's all kinds of players that kind of come together to make that ecosystem. Uh, and, you know, that sort of the most, sort of the, the, the most like vital ecosystems are actually um areas where ecosystems meet like like the seashore for instance where you have like land and water meet that's like a really like fertile space um and so if you're in a theater if you're able to kind of create these conditions where uh ecosystems meet um it it gets really exciting yeah absolutely absolutely um as far as as i mean you mentioned like really your experience of being the artistic director at Canadian stage has largely been dealing with the pandemic. Um, that, I mean, we are like around the time when this goes out, we will be just past the two year anniversary of, of the time when everything shut down. Um, what were you working on at the time that everything had to shut down in March of 2020? Yeah. I mean, we had just, you know, what, what was I, what was I working on? I, we had just closed a show that I had directed, uh, called how to fail as a pop star, uh, by Vivek Shreya. And, and, and we were just sort of getting ready for a big, like a big dance show at the Baluma. Uh, and we had just sort of announced the kind of 1920 season, uh, and like subscription sales were like going like gangbusters. Like it was like, like thing, I was like, okay, I, I'd been at the company for about eight, eight, eight or nine months at that point. Mm. And I was like, okay, I sort of felt like I was kind of, my feet were sort of landing. Uh, and I was kind of like, okay, I, I get what's going on. Um, yeah. And then <laughs> and everything changed. Mm. And in fact, I was in, I was in Brazil uh, when, when the actual shutdown happened. I, I, I just landed in Brazil. Like I literally... I'd been invited to go see a theater festival there. It's like my first time in, in Brazil. I got off the plane and then like literally six hours later, uh, you know, there was the announcing that everything was shutting down and I got on a plane the next day and came home. Wow. That's, I remember for me, you know, knowing that I think the moment where it became real for me was the news that Broadway was shutting down. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, oh, this commercial machine is shutting down. Um, and then we just saw things go from there. It's, I think those, those weeks after that, um, were some of the most depressing and dire at first for me, but then also when I started to see innovation happening and, and, and creativity continuing, um, even though for me, it took me about a year before I could put pen to paper and write something again, Mm. um, it was just seeing that people were able to do it was was heartening for me, and I thought it was. Uh, uh, I knew that that theater was going to survive in some way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're we're I think we're we're inherently creative beings, uh, and creativity never goes away. Um, um, 
but yeah, it was, it was wild. I mean, it still kind of feels actually like a bit like a dream. Um, yeah. uh, it was just so surreal. <laughs> yeah. It, it, everything is, I mean, I remember, you know, just today I just put an episode talking with Lisa Alves from, uh, as we record this today, uh, Lisa Alves from Cahoots Theater. Ooh. And it was pointed out that, that after we put it, after we produced it, that, that she'd referred to 2019 for a bunch of things that actually happened in 20, 2020 and 2021. And I was like, well, of course, because we're all still like, what is time? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because time has it, it like I feel like the last two years have been both so uh, breathlessly fast and also snail's pace slow mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's 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 easy to to to, to sort of like see this the, the last two years as a, as a dream state. Yeah, I mean it's amazing that time can do that, uh, and and just how how totally subjective time is. As uh, I'm trying to think, because there's, you know, as as we're recording this today, we're recording this on March 1st. Today, Ontario has lifted uh, vaccination passes and 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 gathering limits and things like that, although masking is still uh, required. Um, And I know there's a lot of a lot of. Uh, talk about both ways about how people want to do it. Some theaters have announced that they're going to continue uh, to look at vaccination passes uh, and some theaters uh, haven't announced anything like that. Um, do you know what Canadian stage is, is planning to do for the foreseeable future on that front? Yeah, we, you know, we have a show uh, coming up in a couple of weeks in, in, in my body. And, and so for that one, we'll, 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 we'll keep checking vaccinations. Um, part of it, that's, People who've bought their tickets for that show, you know, bought that their their ticket with the understanding that that was going to be part of the experience. So, you know, we want to honor that, Um, you know, and then we'll kind of just sort of evaluate. I think I think if if there's one thing that the pandemic has has taught us is kind of how to be nimble and just sort of monitor and see how people are feeling, how how safe people are feeling. Uh, You know, for us, what's really important is that people feel safe and comfortable. And Mm -hmm. so. So we'll start with that. We'll start with that, you know, in a couple of weeks, and then we'll we'll kind of reevaluate and kind of check in with our audience. It's been great, you know. We, we've we've done a lot of checking in with our audience throughout the pandemic, and and um, our audience has been like incredibly forthcoming uh, with h- how they feel and, and and what they want. So you know, we'll we'll just kind of keep keep monitoring the situation, as they say. Yeah, that's. I mean, having that kind of feedback is so is so uh, important and helpful. Do you feel like the kind of connection and feedback that you're getting from the audience has gotten, uh, uh, like that 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 feedback has gotten better and more regular through the pandemic, or is it something that has always existed for Canadian stage? I mean, it's 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 different, you know, because obviously when you're doing shows every night, you just get the feedback nightly. Um, um, uh, but it's it's really d- directed to a show. Um, uh, with the pandemic, what the feedback has been more around the experience of theater, what it, like what like safety and comfort, um, and also just kind of more institutional, like what 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 is what is our value to you? Um, so it's been interesting. It's just like it's like I feel the feedback has been continuous, but just like very different uh, in nature. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, in in a lot of ways, um, people aren't seeing their experience in just a show to show aspect. They're looking at things like, like you said, uh, comfort and, and, and safety and things like that. So I'm sure lots of people have lots of feelings about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of businesses are, are, are kind of like, okay, like what is, what is a customer experience now? Mm. Um, It's, wasn't what it was two years ago. Um, and I think we're, we're going to kind of collectively learn what that is. I think, I think audiences don't necessarily even know yet what it is that they need and want. <laughs> you know, I think it's, we're all going to kind of figure it out together. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it's one of those things where uh, we are fig like, like, like we've sort of like alluded to, we're figuring out f- theater as we go now, because 
um, we have to figure out what we're taking from this moving forward and, 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 and what's going to, what's going to continue, what's going to, what's going to change. And with the knowledge that, that um, we still have to be nimble and might have to switch on a dime. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and it, you know, for me, what that requires is, is just kind of, kind of like listening and paying attention. You can't, can't predict, you know, like goes back to sort of what we were saying at the beginning of the conversation, like, we could sit here and try to predict, but it's literally impossible. Uh, the, the skill, in my opinion, is to just really pay attention, um, which is like the fundamental thing that one must do in the theater anyways, mm. is just pay attention, be present, listen, and react, and respond. Yeah. And, and I think in it's, it's sort of forced a lot of institutions that may not have been used to moving so quickly uh, to be able to and to requ- to have to move quickly when they have to, yeah, because um, there's no no choice. It sort of like makes you change the way that you think about how do we measure success here, um, because from week to week, the way that we measure success might have to change. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, just in as we sort of draw to a close, um, uh, can you? Talk about, um, you know, you're, you're back in the theater. We've talked a little bit about, about what it's been like to, to rehearse. Um, as you look at the show that you're currently rehearsing, um, if you could put out into the universe what you want for this show, what would that be? Um, You know, I think I think it's probably what I want for any show is 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 for it to be seen uh, and for it to move people. Mm. <laughs> really, you know, I feel like I, I don't know if I have anything else to kind of add to that. I think for me, the 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 most uh, satisfying, if you will, experience is 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 affecting another person through through art like mm. i find that to be really really meaningful and 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 um you know my, my favorite experiences in the in the theater have always been moments where i'm like watching a show and i i think to myself wow like how did this person know this about me mm. i didn't even really know that about me uh, I can think of instances where I've really felt like, felt like, wow, that show is, is showing me something that I, about myself that I didn't really even know existed. Um, and I think that's, I always want to make theater that does that for other people, mm. <laughs> you know, that somehow through the magic of make believe, pretend story, or like all the, all the things that we work with as theater artists that I'm, you know, that we're able to kind of like reveal some truth to somebody. Yeah. I think that is the, that is the power of theater is to, is to be able to do that. And that's, it's magical when that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. My pleasure. 